you to stand as a gesture of reverence for the Word of God as I read the scripture that we'll be discussing today. I'm going to put that on the screen for you. And if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life crippled than with two hands to go to hell, the unquenchable fire. And if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life lame than with two feet to be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to sin, tear it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than with two eyes to be thrown into hell, where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. For everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good, but if the salt has lost its saltiness, how will you make it salty again? Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Woo-wee. Yeah. Buckle up. So uh, I was watching Facebook Reels recently. Everybody know what that is? Maybe I'm an uh, old person here compared to my kids anyway. I'm not on TikTok. Uh, I do Instagram a little bit, but I'm not on TikTok, which I know has a lot of videos. Uh, the Reels on Facebook or Stories, I think, are kind of similar to TikToks. They are short videos of all kinds of things. Um, and I, I saw one the other day as I was scrolling. It was a young man walking around a college campus interviewing uh, a handful of students, asking them what they thought the least useful college degree was. And he interviewed about 10 people, and almost all of them said communications. Anybody want to guess what my major was in college? It was communications. And I'm proud of that. To be fair, not a single one of them were a communications major. So for those of us in the room, communications majors, anybody else? Just me? I guess I'm the most use, least useful one in here. Uh, communications, of course, is an exploration in college of all kinds of things, um, really. It's, it's uh, an important um, degree in a lot of ways. And so I'm, I'm confident in that, but I thought it was funny. I am and have always been interested in learning things and then finding ways to communicate what I've learned to someone particular, whether it be to kids, to teenagers, um, to you know, friends, uh, of course, to you all. Early on um, in my life, uh, I really wanted to be a news anchor. This was my, my dream job, and I loved the idea of getting to be a gatekeeper of information, of seeing something and getting to be the one that would communicate what was happening or what I saw or what was the important thing from that. And when I was in high school, I had this phenomenal journalism teacher, Mrs. Essex at Avon High School. Any Avon High? No. Also, uh, she was great, really fantastic. And one thing that she taught us as students um, is she taught us to write as newspaper writers for our high school newspaper, to write with a general audience in mind. And the general audience, at least at that time, of American readers in the country that would read USA Today have a, a reading comprehension level of a fourth grader. And so our voice 
would be that uh, considering a comprehension level of a fourth grader or a, a critical thinking level of a fourth grader, not in a demeaning way, just in an understanding way. And so that's how we would craft and write our messages. And then years later, um, started vocational ministry in 2005 and then um, helped to launch and plant a church in the D.C. area in 2011. And in training for that, I, we were part of this culture that was very different than where we're from here in Indiana. Very different. Different in that um, it, it, you know, uh, lots of similarities now, but at the time especially, it's a very post Christian culture, a lot of deconstruction happening. So a lot of very highly educated people, but not necessarily in God's word, or people that are, have been hurt or broken and are still deciding whether or not they want to follow Jesus. And so we were encouraged by lots of wise leaders as we were preparing our Sunday gatherings, that when we would write a sermon or create material for our kids' ministry, to remember that our messages should be geared toward the ear and the critical thinking of someone in that position. So when I come up here and I get the opportunity to teach you all, I'm still kind of coming with that idea of teaching. I want to take material from the Bible and I want to make it so that it's something all of us can understand with one another, whether it's um, because we are two different generations, we're from two different places, or maybe it's um, something I can say can help you know how to talk about it with your, ch your children or your students or your grandchildren. I like to speak to it in a very general sense. This is very heavy material this morning, and in the next 17 minutes or so, naturally i'm i'm not going to get to the depths that it truly deserves right and and something i've learned about you all about this community and i can't speak for everyone i haven't met everyone and i don't want to make any um uh, you know assumptions that would um not count anyone's uh, where they're at but i've learned this i love this there's so many of you that truly have been students of the word for so long in many cases much longer than I have. And there's appreciation for the word that I didn't necessarily experience as a pastor in the DC area. There's an appreciation and an interest in God's word. And so I know that as I touch the surface of this very deeply implicating material this morning, I trust that if there's something that is new to you or different or something that doesn't feel right, I know you will take it beyond this space. That's one great thing about our spiritual formation groups is it's another space to continue the conversation. As Anthony has said many times, and I love this, this is not where all the discipleship happens is you sitting there receiving words. It's where the conversation starts. So I encourage you, there's a yellow piece of paper with the announcements or if your phone and your, your notes app. If there's something that sticks out for whatever reason, even if it's nothing that I'm saying, but simply the Holy Spirit speaking a word to you through the scripture, take a note of it. Go deeper, go beyond this. With that, let's dive in. If I had five minutes, by the way, to share uh, Jesus with someone, I can't say this is the, uh, this is the scripture I would pull out. Uh, 
talking about cutting off body parts and hell isn't the most exciting part of following Jesus. So uh, you'll forgive me if that's not something I would say. Use this when you're preaching the gospel. It's true. It's true stuff. It's good stuff. These are the words of Jesus, um, and that's important. We are uh, finishing up chapter 9 of uh, Mark. For several, several months, you as Common Ground West have been working through the Gospel of Mark very slowly um, and, you know, focusing on each section, choosing as a community um, to see what lo the Lord has to say through those specific verses in this time to us as a community and to yourself. Um, and that's what we're doing this morning. We are continuing this conversation. Just a few weeks ago, Anthony touched on Mark 9, 33, 35. And so we're going to look back just a minute before we move forward. In those early verses, Jesus is sort of gathering up his disciples and calling to their attention because they've just had an argument. And he said, what were you, what were you arguing about on the road? And he said, oh, we were having a discussion about who is the greatest. And he kind of has a, a dad moment where he's like, hey, that's not the most important thing to be having a conversation about. And he wants to remind them that there's something very serious, more serious and more important than that going on right now. And last week, Anthony discussed um, verses, let's see, 37, I think, to 42. Um, and definitely check that out, messages online. And this week we're going to finish up with the, this wonderful, lighthearted, delightful section about um, sin and hell. So if you'll do me this favor, open up your Bibles with me if you, don't, if you haven't already. And like I said, I'm going to ask you if you are a highlighter to highlight the things that stick out. Because I'm going to pull out some things. Hopefully it connects. Um, so this is... we're. Jesus is continuing his serious dad chat, and he doesn't take it easy. So let's look again at 43 and 45, 43, 44, 45 in your Bible or on the screen. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life crippled than with hand, two hands to go to hell to the unquenchable fire. And if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life lame than with two feet to be thrown into hell. Put this on the screen. Jesus used shocking language to help them understand the destruction, devastation, and death sin causes. We can become sanitized to sin, but sin is shocking, and its effects really are shocking, and Jesus is reminding them that. On a gorgeous day in spring of April 2003, a guy named Aaron Ralston had traveled to southeastern Utah to climb this beautiful canyon called Blue John Canyon. He locked his bike and he walked toward the canyon's opening at around 2.45 in the afternoon as he descended into the canyon, a giant rock above him slipped. And the next thing he knew, his right arm was lodged between an 800-pound boulder and the canyon wall. He was trapped below, to 100 feet below the desert surface and 20 miles away from the nearest paved road. I'm going to put a picture on the screen so you can get an idea of this. To make matters worse, he hadn't told anyone about his climbing plans. 
and he didn't have any way to signal for help. I want to remind you that this was 2003. The cell phone, the cell phone signal, I know a lot of us would be like, well, I'll just pull out my phone and call for help. That wasn't available to him, especially um, so far beneath the, uh, the surface of the desert. So he inventoried his provisions, two burritos, some candy bar crumbs, and one bottle of water. So with his very cheap pocket knife, he tried chipping away at the boulder around his arm. Eventually, he ran out of water and was forced to drink his own urine. Five days go by. He is not free from this. Realizing that he was likely going to die, he finally resigned to use that pocket knife to cut himself free of the lodged arm. He wasn't sure it would work. He wasn't sure he wasn't already dying. So with the video camera that he would brought, he took a video of himself and said his last goodbyes to his family, as seen in this image. That's what he's doing right there. I'll spare you the details of how he very intricately freed himself from his arm, um, but he did. All along, he had expected to someone to maybe come along and save him, uh, or for his chiseling away at the boulder to free him. He didn't think it was even possible for, t for, himself, for him to cut himself free of his arm. But he did, and he survived because he did. Most theologians and readers of the Bible don't believe Jesus was being literal here in these verses when he was instructing us to cut our arms off if they cause us to sin, uh, but rather was emphasizing how much more important it was to stay on the journey than it was to protect something that might be keeping you from continuing the journey. Our arms are good. Our feet are good. God gave them to us to use for his purpose. But we don't always do that. We don't always use our gifts for his purpose. And that brings us to the next point. The very thing we are to sacrifice. Oh, I'm sorry. I did skip that line. Discipleship is difficult and it demands sacrifices. That's important. As we lay out the scripture, I have three kind of themes we're going to follow along. That's the first one. Discipleship is difficult and it demands sacrifices. Demands that we give up something, maybe something good. And the next is this. The very thing we are to sacrifice may not be sinful in and of itself. Let's take a look at verses 47 to 48. Let me put that on the screen too. And if your eye causes you to sin, oh, can we get that on the screen? Sorry, forgot that. So, okay. So if you have your Bibles open, they're right there with us. If your eye causes you to sin, tear it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than with two eyes to be thrown into hell where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. In Greek, the language in the New Testament was written in, the word for hell here is Gehenna. Gehenna was an actual place. It was a valley outside of Jerusalem, uh, which was used as the city's dump. Jews believed Gehenna was to be a place of uncleanliness. The worm here, the translation really is, is maggot. 
Um, something else to take note of when reading the New Testament, um, remember that Jewish believers have a, a temple mindset. Uh, so I remember when I was a kid, um, I spent the night with my grandma one night, and she was going to take me to church the ne next morning. I was really young, and I remember her saying, let's get good rest tonight. We're going to go to God's house in the morning. And I remember going. Um, I'd been to church before, but I, I'd never heard it put that way. And I remember going, and I was so curious where God's bedroom was. You know, like, where does he sleep if this is his house? That's kind of similar-ish here to how the Jewish uh, community viewed the temple. This is, this is the holy place, and this is, um, this is where God was. Like, the holiest of holies, that's where the temple is. And the Gehenna was on the outside of that, away from that. So although Jesus had come to redefine this belief and practice of where God was, of course, in his dwelling, Jews instinctively thought of the temple as the dwelling place for God. The temple was in the city. Gehenna was in a valley outside of the city, metaphorically away from God. So here, Jesus is teaching us that when we give ourselves over to sin, we are going away from God, quite literally. There's a lot we could explore about the existence of heaven and hell and what happens. Go beyond that. Take a deeper study. We're not going to do it this morning, but there's just a, a, a great place to start if you've not done that before. Sin, walking away from God. Hell, a permanent walking away from God, being away from God permanently. So this is what Gehenna was. This is what Jesus is talking about. Again, the very thing we are to sacrifice may not be sinful in and of itself. Things we do with our arms, we do good things with our arms. So like um, we write good stories, good stories. We hold babies. We embrace each other. We hug each other. We build homes. Uh, we move chairs around a church multi-purpose room. We put tape on the floor to show us where those chairs go. Joe, are you here? Joe did that tape. Yay. Yay for Joe's arms. Yeah, he deserves a woohoo. Arms are good. But we also hit with arms. They can be actual weapons to harm others. We hold guns with arms. We kill with arms. We shoot illegal substances in our arms. If for only a moment of relief, can take our very breaths out of our bodies. We use our arms to drive cars when we've had too much to drink, and we can cause serious harm to someone else and maybe even ourselves. We can sin using good things. There's another example, the internet. It's impossible to count the ways our lives have been beautifully affected by this incredible invention. We can listen to just about every and any song ever produced, ever written with just the touch of our hand. In fact, many of you probably have a list of music on your phones as we speak. You can just think for a second what your very favorite song is. There's a chance you heard it for the first time using the internet. There's an even greater chance that you could pull it out of your pocket and show it to us right now and let us listen to that favorite song. Ah, the internet. Countless people could stay connected to one another in the middle of a worldwide pandemic. 
thanks to the internet. A woman dying from liver cancer who lying in a hospital bed because she has lost the strength to move, can witness the birth of her first grandchild, can be with her daughter virtually because her husband set up a computer right next to her face so that she could virtually be right next to her daughter's face and watch her granddaughter be born thanks to the internet. And the internet has also caused incredible destruction. Uh, embarrassing nose-picking photos from when you were a toddler posted on Facebook by your mom, who promised she will in the future get your permission um, when she wants to post a really cute picture of you in your baseball uniform. Guilty. Um, I'm sorry, Ty Will and Sutter, if you hear this. Um, Hateful rhetoric shared, lies that masquerade as truth shared in 140 characters or less, words for all the world to see, words that can start wars. Countless young people ending their time on earth because online bullying has destroyed any confidence they had in themselves or hope they had for their future. Good things can also be bad things, but holy things stay holy things. So was it, what is it for you? This is a moment to take note. What, what is the good thing for you that maybe isn't always good for you? It is a sacrifice. It is very, very, very difficult um, to sacrifice things that are good, that make life easy, and that may even seem necessary for jobs or your life. But if it leads you, to, leads you away from God, remove it. Good things can be bad things, but holy things stay holy things. Jesus is imploring us here to continue to follow him into holiness, ridding ourselves of anything that gets in the way of doing that. And we don't do that best alone. Let's look at these final verses here. My final point is, finally, if we are to follow the Prince of Peace, we must work to be at peace with one another. If we are to follow the Prince of Peace, we must work to be at peace with one another. Verse 49, Jesus said this, For everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good, but if the salt has lost its saltiness, how will you make it salty again? Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. Salt is refining, fire is refining. Jesus is saying, behave as though you've been refined, seasoned as a follower of Jesus. We're all at different places uh, with our walk with Jesus, but because we are all in this room discussing or listening to me talk about this text, we can be sure that we have each had some degree of seasoning. Jesus is reminding the disciples and those of us, us as disciples, to walk in a way that is mindful of how we've already been seasoned and to keep that seasoning. Circling back to those 
verses from weeks ago, 33 and 34, Jesus kind of brings it together at the end here, reminding um, the disciples not to be at war with one another and not to be distracted um, and not to be arguing, just as Christians so often do, right? We all want to get it right. We want to argue about who is the right Christian, who's the wrong Christian. He's reminding them that's not the battle. In fact, that's really like an evil way of distracting us from the, from the real battle. The battle is against evil, not one another as Christians. And so he says, he says this. Be at peace with one another. Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. He wants us to be at peace with one another so that we can share the good news together with peace in our hearts, leading others to the Prince of Peace. Will you pray with me?